0: Hello, and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash new song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at post office box 761 Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. ...in the Old Testament.
1: You should do uh, some research on this book. It's a love story. And how many of you know that not all love is uh, based around sex? I want to use this word. It's... It's supposed to be about intimacy, like the way someone drew that word out. Intimacy, into me you see. A lot of people are having a problem becoming close to anyone because they're terrified of intimacy. Some of you are even terrified to be intimate with your God. Intimate, what does it mean? First of all, you've got to realize that your God knows all about you. He knows everything that you've done, everything that you think. He knew you before the foundation of the world. So you're not going to be hiding anything from Him. And you might as well be honest. Have you noticed how the Bible is filled with spiritual warfare scriptures and, and healing scriptures and, and, and promises And the reason for that is that the Lord knew that we would all go through these kinds of things. Some of them good, some of them not so good. But what we have got to come to realize is that God is trying to put in you a hunger for Himself. That's not a bad word. It's a good thing. He wants you to be hungry for Him. Amen? Look at Solomon uh, Song of Solomon chapter 1 verse 4. He says draw me. We and notice he uses the word we. We will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love and more than uh, more than wine the upright love thee. Now wonder why he's using the word we. It has to do with the fact that you are created in God's image. You are three parts. You are a body, you have a soul, and you actually, what you are really is a spirit. So you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And God is going to save all three of those parts of you. And that's why he's referring to the word we. We. This guy put it like this. Lord, we, the total me, spirit, soul, and body, my will, my intellect, and my emotions, all that I ever was, all that I am now, and all that I ever will be, all of me, we, will respond to your hand upon my life and your activity within me. Did you notice that? We will respond. Everybody say respond. The word that you quickened to me, the the revelation that you showed to me, all that you have given to me must be incorporated into my life experience. In union with you, oh Lord, come, and I will lovingly and submissively respond to you as you accomplish all this within me. You know, in the early days of the charismatic renewal, it was not uncommon to see people weeping everywhere around the congregation during a service. Weeping! And I would watch others, and they'd look around the room, see them weeping, and they'd get a puzzled look on their face, like, well, I wonder why they're doing that. It's because those were the people that came to the service asking God to draw them into his presence. It's something that you've got to want. And it's the same thing happened to you in your marriage. You ladies know what I'm talking about. When you met your husband uh, before you got married, you came to a place when you realized that he honored you. He cherished you. He only wanted you, nobody but you. That's why sometimes when a divorce takes place, God forbid, it is so painful. Women know what I'm talking about because they give everything. And listen to this, uh, men. If you will just love and cherish and honor your wife, she will give you everything. Did you hear what I said? She will give you everything. In fact, she has given you the most priceless gift there is. She gave up her own identity, her last name, and she took yours. In other words, she gave up who she was and she became you. That's scriptural. And ladies, you are a true helpmeet for your husband. In fact, most of these husbands, if they were honest would say, I don't think I could make it five minutes without my wife. How true that is. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, this Song of Solomon is the story of a bridegroom and a bride. And I think it's interesting that God refers to us in the scripture. We are his bride. Yeah, you men are his bride. And he wants and desires to, and he needs To be intimate with you and you need to be intimate with the bridegroom not talking about sex here we're talking about into me you see the greatest gift that god would ever give you is to allow you to look deep within him and see him for who he truly is he's a mystery no one knows where he came from in fact it would be true to say he didn't come from anywhere. If he came from somewhere, it couldn't be God. If somebody created him, how could he be God? Somewhere in that back and back and back, there has to be a place where there was a prime mover, uh, uh, the one who was never created, the one who never had a beginning and will never have an end, and that's the God you serve. And think about this for a moment. That God is willing to share with you Everything that he is. The Bible says in Romans 8 that you are an heir, H-E-I-R. You're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus. That means whatever God's going to give his son, he's going to give you half. All the power, all of the power, look at your neighbor and say power. All of the glory, all of the joy, he's going to give you half. We need intimacy. We need, listen, if, but if you're going to have that, that kind of relationship, you are going to have to cry out to God with these words, Please draw me. Draw me. If I can just feel that you really love me, because there's a devil and he's lying to me. He's telling me that, that everybody else could, might have a chance with you, but I don't because I'm too sinful. I'm too ugly. The things I've done are too horrible. How many of you have ever heard that voice in your life? Listen to me, you need to to find out what spiritual warfare is all about. You need to cast the devil, the enemy of your soul, out of your life and say to him, I'm not going to receive anything from you anymore. I'm only going to listen to that intimate voice of my Father in heaven who tells me that he has cleansed me and made me whole. Listen to this, he has erased your sin from before him and he's cast it into darkness you you, you've got to understand this you know the first time i was in a welder shop and my dad warned me he said no you don't want that guy's welding over there you don't want to look at that or it'll hurt your eyes and like an idiot i looked at it and and uh, my eyes started aching it's like it'd be like going out on the summer's day the sun's right over your head and just staring at it for like three minutes that would be a foolish thing to do amen well, listen, when the Father in heaven looks at you without Jesus, that's exactly what it's like to look at you and all of your sin and all of your ugliness and all of your rebellion. But when he takes the blood of Jesus, it's. I noticed that the welder put on goggles and they were very uh, dark and he would put them on and he could just look at that. A bright light all day long. And that's what it is when God looks at you. He's looking through the blood of His Son. And you know what He sees? He doesn't see you as just okay. He sees you as perfect. Come on, can you get that? Can Can you receive it? Can you walk with that? He sees you as being perfect. But it all starts with, draw me. Please, Lord, draw me. When I came to the Lord 46 years ago, or whatever it was, 47 years ago, I didn't think God would want me because I had done some bad things. And uh, I found out different. In fact, I found out that God had prepared a plan for my life, and I didn't even know who he was. My parents uh, never went to church. They never took me to church ever that I can remember, unless it maybe a funeral. But I don't really, I'll be honest with you, I don't even remember going to any funerals. And I had long hair and I was doing drugs and, and God knows what else. And when I gave my heart to him, he took me just like I was. And that's the way he receives you. He loves you. Why? Because he wants to. It's an act of his own. See, he's given you the same gift he's got. He's got a free will and he's given you a free will. You've got the will to say, God, I love you, or God, I don't love you. And the reason he does that is when you tell him, God, I love you, because of your free will, he knows you mean it. He's given you a choice, and he knows that you mean it. But listen to me. We've got to make a commitment. And the commitment that we have to make is just like in the Scripture. We have to run after him. We have to run after him. And guys, you get all googer minded or whatever word you're going to say, and you meet that girl of your dreams, and you start chasing her, doesn't he, ladies? He chases you and chases you, and that's because he wants that intimate relationship with you. And that's the way we've got to be with God. If you will run after him, he will bring you into his chambers, his secret chambers. There's a place where great Intimacy happens. It's like when the the high priest, once a year on the great day of atonement, Yom Kippur, would pull the veil back and the high priest would enter that room. Only one article of furniture in there, the Ark of the Covenant. And smoke would begin to fill the room. The high priest loved God and he had a desire to be with him. And he was also feeling the pressure of his responsibility to all those other Jewish people out there who were counting on him to take the sacrifice of blood into that room and and pour it on the Ark of the Covenant. Walk around it seven times, slinging blood everywhere. And the blood was for the sins of the people. But listen to me. They were for the sins of the people last year. As soon as everybody left that service, they walked right back into their sinful condition. That's why Jesus came. He, and that's why He's also called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. After Him, we don't need any more sacrifices. He's the ultimate sacrifice. Amen? The King has brought me into His chambers. That's the outcome of you obeying God and seeking after him. and you know sometimes if you get desperate enough for the presence of God, you'll weep. How many of you've ever wept just wanting to, God to to show more of himself to you? Have you really? It's the important key. when God sees that, He knows that you're serious, it's not just a game. And you know, how many of you know there's a lot of people that they just want to everybody wants to go to heaven. But whether or not they want to obey God, Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. And so there's a lot of Christians, it's it's like a game to them. They want to go to heaven. But on the other hand, they want to stay in the world and they want to taste all the, the things that the world has to offer also. It's kind of like these two pieces of carpet. It's kind of like you're walking down a fence and you've got one foot in the world and one foot in God. And God says, I'm not going to share you. How I many of you know he's jealous? He's a jealous God. He's not going to share you not only with the devil. He's not going to share you with another God. He's not going to share you with anybody. He loves you. He loves you. Hunger, therefore, is a fundamental urge. How many of you know, you, uh, you mothers know this. You can feed your baby, but you can't make them hungry right? And usually you don't have to. They, they let you know, isn't that right? Hunger. Babies are born hungry. And usually, how long does it take after they're born before they're, they're breastfeeding? It doesn't take long. But when you refuse to be hungry, God cannot draw you. God will create the hunger. But you, because of your will, have the right to refuse it. Did you get that? How are we fed through the word, through fellowship with him, and through anointed ministry? that's uh, he will he will feed you, he'll satisfy you, he'll meet your need that hunger that you have, if you'll get involved uh, in his word and listen i'm I'm not judging you, but i'm and don't raise your hand, but listen, I wonder how many of you are reading God's word at all every day remember I challenged you a couple of uh, three months ago or so, and I asked you, see if you can read the word five minutes a day, just five minutes i guarantee you that if you'll If you'll take that as a hunger and a commitment to God, it won't take very long that you'll start seeing your life literally change. You will start changing, and it'll be a good change. And here's the other thing that goes along with reading the Word. You have to wait on Him. You know, even people that are challenged to read the Bible five minutes, just rush right through it. There's another word, meditation. Now, that's not a bad word. It just simply means to stop and wait on Him, keep your mouth closed, your ears open, and listen for His voice. And when you've read a scripture, allow the Holy Spirit to show you what He's saying to you through that scripture. Have you you realized that you can read a scripture and then maybe eight months later you read that same scripture and it, it is saying something totally different than it did the first time you read it? The Word is a living entity. Remember uh, John chapter 1, one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The word, when God uh, created the universe, he spoke it out of his mouth. Every time he spoke, something was created. The, the, the thing we call space was created. Yeah, it's a thing. And he spoke, and there were stars and and planets. And then he created the earth by speaking. He created the ocean. I was reading uh, last night uh, in my Bible about the new Jerusalem. And uh, there's a scripture in Revelation that says, when he recreates the earth, there will be no more sea, S-E-A. And I found myself kind of disappointed. I said, but Lord, I love the ocean. And it's almost like God says, I'm going to put so many more outstanding, wonderful things on the planet, there won't be any room for, for the sea. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I felt. There'll be no more sea. Now listen, don't get your desires mixed up. Some of you have only uh, ever really thought of desire as being something that's physical there is a thing called spiritual desire. And you can't satisfy spiritual desire with physical things. That's the problem in in, uh, America today. A lot of people want stuff. They want things, they want money, they want fancy cars, fancy house, and they think if they can just get those things, everything will be just all right. And then when you get them, you find yourself being more hungry than you were, more selfish than you were, Listen to me. Don't go somewhere else to get fed. Only the Lord can feed you spiritually. Now I'm going to read a scripture you can turn if you'd like. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. I'm going to read this in the open uh, Bible. No, the living Bible. And uh, it's Revelation 3 verse 20 in the living Bible. He says, look, I have been standing at the door and I am constantly knocking. If anyone hears me calling him and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. Notice he says, if anybody hears me, that's his part, but the next part is yours. And opens the door. You've got to open the door. If, if the Lord comes in, you can't just... That's a nice knocking. I'll just sit there and listen to that. No, you've got to open the door and let the person who wants to bless you come in. Amen. Let me tell you something about hunger also. It will lead you to maturity. How many of you realize that when you've found the Lord, you weren't real mature? Sometimes I wonder if I am now. I got to be honest. I told you about the toilet paper and writing on both sides and God said, those are all your sins. And I thought, Lord, I'll never get rid of all those. He said, don't worry, I'm going to help you. I said, Lord, how long will it take? He said, the rest of your life. Am I that bad? And he said, yeah, but I love you. And I'm going to help you. Amen? Listen to me. The next step in all of this is your commitment. In that scripture, they said, we will run after thee. We will run after thee. And as I sh- shared with you before, we speaks of every part of our, our being totally seeking after and responding to the Lord. Every part of whatever we are, we give it to him, and he responds by filling us up, listen to me, with His knowledge, His revelation, His truth, His glory. Oh my gosh, His glory. Now, turn over to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Look there quick. I'm going to read this in the Living Bible also. I don't do that very often, but sometimes. uh, uh Reading from a different version kind of helps with what we're trying to get across to you. Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I myself no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the real life I now have within this body is a result of my trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you realize what God's asking you to do? He's asking you, first of all, to put all of your faith and trust in someone you've never seen. He's asking you to put all of your faith and trust, not only for this life, but for all eternity, into a man who supposedly was nailed to a cross and and bled from seven different wounds on his body. And he's claiming that that blood that was shed was for you. And And the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. God's asking you to believe that. When he walked through the wall and Thomas, they were telling Thomas, well, it went to the tomb and it was empty. And he said, well, I ain't going to believe it until I see the nail prints in his hand. And at that very moment, Jesus walked through a wall. Thomas, the doubting Thomas, fell on his knees and said, my Lord, and my God. And Jesus said, you're blessed because you've seen me and you believe. But how much more blessed are those who have never seen me and believe? And he was talking about you. I'm proud of all of you, believe it or not. I am proud of you because you are making a commitment every day to seek after and search for the living God who promises you that he's going to allow you to live with him in eternity. As we speak, God is building a new city called the New Jerusalem. He's going to destroy this planet one day after a thousand year millennial reign. He's going to destroy this planet with fire, because fire is something that purifies. He's going to purify the sin, destroy it, he's going to recreate the earth. And then, now this city is a marvel. This city is 1,500 miles cubed, tall, wide, and deep. I was reading, some guy took a pen and pencil and figured all of it out. And uh, if you, if you, Figure out that 1,500 miles high, and, and you break that down into sections of uh, 20 feet for a uh, uh, a level, and then you go to the second floor, 20 feet, 20 feet, 24, It's something like 352,000 floors. Can you imagine a hotel with 352,000 floors? It's going to be pretty neat. On the bottom floor down there, the river, the river of life flows, meandering through the city the trees of life on both sides of the riverbank, and everything glorious, flowers, flowers that sing, the aroma in the air that never goes away. It's, it is an amazing truth. It's a truth. It's a truth. But the Word, to begin with, listen to me, has to become flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible says Jesus was fully man and fully God. It had to be that way, because whoever paid the sacrifice for your sin had to be a man or a human. But the only way that we could have a human that was Born without sin, he had had to also be fully God, and that's why his father was God and his mother was a human being. It's an absolute miracle. The Word, Jesus, became flesh. He He became flesh. He became real in our lives. He became something we could touch, see, hear, smell. Everything in our senses are filled up with the power and the glory and the presence of Jesus. And then, listen to me, after you've been to the pad over there and you knelt there and you gave your heart to the, to Jesus or wherever you did it, then he comes and says, wait a minute, I've got more for you. There's something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says Jesus is the baptizer. The word baptize means total immersion. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit. I believe you get that when you get saved. But this word baptized means total immersion. Where, where God totally takes you over with his spirit. It's exemplified. What more apt thing could he use to exemplify this miracle than to use your most unruly member, which is your what? Your big mouth. Call that speaking in tongues. Now, there's two kinds of speaking in tongues. We heard one this morning in that message, uh, and then there was an interpretation. Uh, those are two of the nine gifts of the Spirit. When you put uh, tongues together, the gift of tongues, with interpretation, you've got prophecy. Why did God do it that way? Because he wanted more people to be able to be involved in these gifts. Then there is what we call the prayer language. We know it's real because in the book of Acts, everyone that was baptized in the Holy Spirit Uh, received a prayer language there's no exception to that in in that entire book and the difference is the gift of tongues is always used in public the prayer language is usually used in your private prayer life you see the difference the gift of tongues is usually always interpreted the prayer language is not usually interpreted you see there are two manifestations of that now there are people say well i I, i'm glad for you but I, i don't really need that well, then you don't have to have it. I always use the example of an elephant. Uh, what's the most uh, uh, important thing to an elephant? It's his trunk. He, he breathes with it. He, he gets water out of the river. He splashes the bugs off of him and takes a bath. And he eats with it. And he defends himself with it, breathes with it. Now, he can, he can take a big hatchet and cut off his trunk, and he'll still be an elephant but he won't be a real powerful elephant. I was watching a show uh, last night, uh, way back in like 300 A.D. when the, the the Mongols were fighting somebody else over there, and, and uh, one group of them had a bunch of elephants that they brought in, and so the people they were fighting, uh, and I don't remember the what the word was, but they, they took these steel things and made them into like pyramids with three legs and a big sharp spike, and they just threw them all over this field where they knew that the elephants were going to come. And they kind of covered them over with grass. And when those elephants were charging through there, they started stepping on those things. And they went nuts. And they turned around and went the other way. Somebody had a a plan about that. Somebody had a plan about that. Listen to me. God wants to share everything with you jesus comes and says i want to baptize you in the holy spirit i want to i want to use you in the gifts of the spirit Now, don't raise your hand but i'm wondering how many of you've ever just knelt down and said lord please use me in in one of the gifts of the spirit now I, I i when i did that i said lord i want to be used in all of them and i shared that in a in a meeting some guy came and said well you're real selfish uh, i said why he said well you, you want god to use you in all of them i said what's wrong with that God's looking for somebody that will be willing to be used. Is that you? Let him use you. Give him your mouth. Give him your hands. Give him your heart. And and allow him to share himself through your hands and your heart and your mouth. Amen? You can do that every time you go to the hospital. Of course, they won't let you in the hospital anymore, it seems like. Now, here's another scripture. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And I want to read. How many of you have read the message? The Bible called the message. I don't recommend it for studying, okay? Uh, but if you're, if you, it, it, it's more like a novel. But uh, here's what it says in uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wild. For 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when the time was up, he was hungry. Listen to this and get a hold of it. Every time you go into a wilderness experience, you're going to come out of that hungry. Why do you think God allows you to go through those things? You know, we, that's one of the questions we always ask God. God, why did you allow this and why did you allow that? One of the reasons he allows things like the wilderness experience is to cause you to become hungry and to seek his face and to seek after him. He wants you to seek him. He'd prefer not to take you into the wilderness. But sometimes because of our rebellion or whatever you want to call it, he has to take us in the, into the wilderness. And the wilderness is a desert. And it's an it's a ugly place. And there's snakes and scorpions. And, and the devil's out there. Remember when Jesus was out there? But you know what else happened to Jesus? God used the wilderness, listen to me, to prepare him. For what? First of all, to prepare him to die. But also to prepare him to minister healing to people that were sick. To raise the dead like Lazarus. Jesus was prepared in the wilderness. You can be prepared. Seek after him and he will prepare you. In Mark 1, 12, it says, And immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. In other words, the Holy Spirit compelled Jesus to go out into the wilderness. When Jesus came forth from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit, things got exciting in a hurry word began to get around have you heard about this new prophet this this man who's teaching in the temple the other day the, there was a person who'd been deaf all of his life and he he touched his ears and he could hear and he raised a man from the dead huh. the fullness of the lord had become power because truth had been personalized in his life through experience Listen, that's where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But faith is, is empowered in your life through experience. Every time you just say, okay, I'm going to try this once. I'm going to step out by faith and I'm going to pray for this sick person. Lord, I, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about it. I've never done this before. And you reach down and you pray and suddenly that person says, well, I feel better. Thank you. That experience, is, it, it will encourage you and you'll be willing to go and try it again. Then the word gets around that you've got a ministry. One of the nine gifts of the Spirit is the gift of healing. How many of you would like to have that gift? Well, you need to tell the Lord that, and then you need to make yourself available. Amen? I used to go up to the hospital and just roam the halls. Back then, they put the names on the door, and they don't do that anymore. Maybe that's why. But uh, I would go, and if, if somebody I knew, sometimes I'd, didn't know him, but I'd just knock on the door and they'd say, "Come in," and, and I'd go in and say, "Can I pray for you?" Well, they always said, "Yes." Nobody likes to feel bad. Nobody likes to be sick. The wilderness—it's an experience. It's an experience that proves that the word is real and that the word is for you. Don't be lazy. Amen. The Lord is seeking a people who are not spiritually lazy or content to rest in the fullness of the Spirit that they have received, but who are pressing onward until they have experienced the power of the Spirit. I don't care how far you've gone in the Lord, there's more. There's more, there's more. And you say, how much more? Well, since God is infinite, you can never know all of him. You can never experience all of him. I find that, I don't find that uh, perplexing. I find it wonderful to know that when I, you know, I asked God one day, well, golly, what are we going to do in eternity? You know, after the first million years, we're going to know everything there is to know. And God's got real quiet. It always gets quiet when I say something stupid. And, And God said, John, you can never know all of me. And you will never be bored when you get into eternity. You're going to live every day of your life excited. No more sickness, no more disease, no more tears, no more crying. And you're going to, you're going to love it. That's what, he said. That's what he told me. You're going to love it. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I want to encourage all of you, don't be satisfied if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to seek after that. And God will not let you down. There are other things that are required for God's power to come into your lives. He deals with you frequently, often, in fact. When Jesus came back from the wilderness, that's when the people began to say, there has never been a man who spoke like this man. That's John 7, verse 46. Never been a man like this. See, they were being touched, not just because he raised the dead or healed the sick. They were being touched by what he said. What was coming out of his mouth and his heart, that's what was touching them. And everything began to make sense. They were perplexed one minute and after listening to him preach. they, They came out saying, now I see, now I see. How many of you want to see? I wanted to see this thing called the Trinity. And I didn't understand it. And I didn't find anybody else that did either. And I I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I want a revelation. And that's exactly what he gave me. It took about five or six years, but he gave it to me. You know how I asked him? I said, Lord, I'm going to faithfully commit to reading the Bible. And I want you, every time I see any scripture that has to do with the Trinity, I want you to reveal it to me and I'm going to write it down. So uh, I had a couple of blank pages right beside the book of John and it, they were filled with literally hundreds of scriptures that had to do with the Trinity believe it or not Old and New Testament we just didn't know that the Lord was wanting to draw us we, we didn't know that God was wanting to share his fullness with us we didn't understand that God's not selfish God will re, he'll share with you whatever he is he'll give you some <laughs> I like it that way don't you? the gifts, the power. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 32, they were astonished at his doctrine for his word was with power. When he spoke, it was with power. Now I read this scripture, or this uh, little paragraph before I'm going to read it again. It has to do with us running after him it says lord we the total whatever i am totally spirit soul and body lord we the total me spirit soul and body my will my intellect and my emotions all that i ever was all that i am now and all that i ever will be all of me We will respond to your hand upon my life and your activity within me. The word that you quickened to me, the revelation that you showed to me, all that you have given to me must be incorporated into my life experience. In union with you, Lord, come and I will lovingly and submissively respond to you as you accomplish all this within me. You know, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. How many of you want to be chosen? If you really mean that, you better get with God between now and not very far in the future and tell Him you want to be chosen. I don't know. I'm being honest with you. I'm not sure how much time we have left. You know, Jesus is coming back. And a lot of the things that He prophesied that would happen just before His return are happening. Pestilence. Look at this virus. Can you believe that? Over 100,000 people in America alone have died. There's over a million that have died worldwide from this little bug that you can't see. And now it seems to be picking up speed again. Lord Jesus, help us. Lord, help us. I look at that first scripture we read as a love story. The king Has brought me into his chambers. We asked the Lord to draw us, and then he consecrated our lives to run after him. However, there is another step that we are to take. The king has brought me into his chambers. Here we come into the intimacy of his manifest presence we will receive the enabling power that will guide us through the steps that will lead us into spiritual maturity. We'll have daily communion and fellowship with Him every day. And now we'll be able to enjoy increasing communion and fellowship with Him. After all, being in His presence always gives us strength, right? In order to gain strength during these difficult times, he brings us into his chambers where we spend time with him in the intimacy of his manifest presence. You remember I told you about the high priest going into the room where the Ark of the Covenant was on the, on the mercy seat, the lid of that box were two angels called cherubim. They had wings and they faced each other and stretched their wings out, but they didn't quite touch. And right in the center of that where their wings almost touched was the throne of God. That's where he sat. How would it be if you walked into that room and you saw him sitting there on top of that box? And you you thought about running away because you you suddenly had had a feeling of condemnation come over you because the devil's telling you you're no good. And, and, And yet suddenly as you looked up, God's looking at you and he's smiling and he's doing this. He's doing this. I've been waiting for you. Come on in. Hey, jump up on my lap. Let's talk folks that's intimacy it's not sex it's intimacy he, he will tell you how was your day today you got anything that you need anything you want to know as you were as you were walking through the kingdom today in eternity the New Jerusalem the city did you see anything that puzzled you would you like to, to share that with me and I'll see if I can give you the right the answer that you're seeking? It's kind of like when you're reading the Word, you don't understand something. Stop, and and just say, man, you know, uh, meditate on it. Say, Lord, I'm not sure exactly what this means, and I'm asking you to reveal it to me. And then you close your mouth and you wait. You wait upon the Lord, and He will reveal to you what He's trying to say. And it says in Isaiah verse 40, verse, uh, chapter 40, verse 31, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Herein is the secret. We must spend time in communion with God. When we come into his chambers and wait in his presence, the power of God flows into our being. After that happens, we are unable to minister and witness and move in what we have received. Our strength will run down, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen? Our heavenly bridegroom brings us into his chambers to abide there with him. As his bride, we will experience joy unspeakable, unknown to other people. As we pray this little prayer, draw me, we are opening the way that leads into the chambers of heaven.
2: Draw me, draw me, and I'll come running after you. Draw me, draw me, Lord, and I'll come running after you. Close your eyes a minute.
1: Looking, how many of you'd be honest and say I've, I've had a f- few times in my life where I felt disappointed in God? Raise your hand if that's you. Felt like God disappointed you. Okay. How many of you would say I've been angry with God in my in my life? Come on, be honest. I've been angry. Now put your hands down. I want. Um, Listen to me. Just keep your eyes closed. I'm going to pray for you right now. And I want you just to wait. I want you to try to remember one of those experiences where you were angry with God or you felt disappointed. And I want you to try to remember uh, some of the details of that. What happened? Did he not answer a prayer? Did someone die and you didn't understand why? Did something horrible happen and when you prayed, you don't feel like God answered? You feel like, where is He? Where are you, God? Where are you? Now, I want you to remember that right now. And I'm going to ask God to come right now in this room. I'm asking God to enter your body, to touch your spirit and start speaking to you very softly with much intimacy. Now, if we're going to be honest, some of you need to probably ask God for forgiveness. How many of you know that it's never God's fault? Come on. If it was God's fault, he couldn't be God. I was shaking my fist at God one day, angry. Angry. And that's what he spoke to me. He said, John, there's no fault in God. Well, I said, well, whose fault is it? Well, did you forget there was a devil and demons and other people? But it's not my fault because what I'm doing for you is loving you. I'm loving you. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Even the hard things. Now nobody's looking, please. If you're here and you you feel like right now you're angry at God even now about something, would you lift up your hand and be honest with me? Is anybody? Or did you did you all okay, there's one. Anybody else? There's one, okay. I want everybody in the church now to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I recognize that sometimes things happen that I don't understand. In the past, I have blamed you, but I now see that it was never your fault. Father, I'm asking you to forgive me. And set me free. Help me, Lord, because I want to love you and I don't want anything to stand in the way between you and our love. So, right now, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for having feelings I shouldn't have had. I confess to you, Lord that I do love you with all of my heart I also confess that I need you I need you desperately please Lord forgive me I receive it now in Jesus name Amen
2: Draw me, and I'll come running after you. Draw me, draw me, Lord, and I'll come running after you. Father, as we go today.
1: I'm asking you right now to put that hunger inside of every one of us in this room that we will not be satisfied with what we've had in the past. We want more. And we're not being selfish. We're just obeying you. We want more. We want more of your spirit. We want to be used more in the gifts. We want more of your power. We want you to be pleased with us so that when we get to heaven one day and we see you, you'll walk up to, to us and say, I'm pleased with you, son, or I'm pleased with you, daughter. You've made me proud. Father, that's what we want. So, Father, be with us now as we go. In Jesus' name, And everybody said. You're dismissed. May God richly bless you today. Amen? I don't you hug somebody before you leave? Not, not your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife. Go, go hug somebody you not sure you even know who they are.
0: This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.